The views and opinions expressed on this podcast do not reflect that of the Up Together organization. I'm Candy Marie and I'm Mena Diaz and welcome to the Moving Up Together podcast. There is an African proverb that says, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. That is the spirit of this podcast and of the nonprofit organization that created it, Up Together. Yep. After 20 years in the game, Up Together knows when we come together in community and support each other, there's nothing we can't do. And that's true no matter who you are or how much money you have. In fact, one of the primary goals of this podcast is to show that stereotypes about our communities, which some people describe as poor or low income, are flat out false. Yes, our communities have their own unique challenges. But guess what? They're full of people who are committed to working together, not only to improve their individual lives, but to make a difference for the entire community. And that's what we're gonna talk about today. What happens when people come together in community to support each other so everyone can move up together? Joining us today to share his story is Mr. William Goodwin. He is a professional volunteer sitting on numerous advisory boards and committees. He's a self-proclaimed community advocate willing to be there for his community the way they were there for him. Welcome to the Up Together podcast, Mr. William Goodwin. How you doing? I'm well, and thank you. I'm happy to be here. We are so happy to have you here with us today. Now, in a minute or less, I would love for you to describe yourself to us, but I'm going to kind of kick it off for you just a little bit because I heard you're from the Bay. I am from the Bay Area. I, I live in Pittsburgh, a resident of Pittsburgh, but born and raised in Oakland, California. Uh, and uh, yeah, I consider myself a community advocate. Um, the lessons that I learned growing up in Oakland um, and the community-based um, experience that I had um, sort of led me here um, and the work that I'm doing here in Contra Costa County. I love it. I love it. So what's one thing people should know about your city and current community? Um, that we're resilient, one, um, and that... Um, you know, the stereotype and the narratives that you normally hear about communities um, is, is false, like you were saying earlier. Um, there are many who are unhoused. There are many who, who are low wage earners. There, we, we have all that, but then we still aspire to do great things and we still do great things. Um, you know, and I think it was Martin Luther King, I always coined that statement where he said, if I can't do great things, then I can do small things in a great way. And so I just I just keep trying to push that, you know, let me do these small things in a great way and something will come out of it. You know, when you hear local artists and, you know, hometown hero, that's why you hear those things because people always resonate from where they came from, you know, what, right. and, and I think, you know, when, when we're supporting other op uh, opportunities, we're actually on loan from our communities. Uh, so yeah, I consider myself community advocate. I love that because you're right. You know, um, it starts with that passion and the drive and, you know, um, that relatability to each other because we're really not that different. Um, you know, if you could tell us what does it mean to you to be a part of a community that was able to offer support to you at a time when you needed it the most? Yeah, it means the world because uh, it gave me time to heal, uh, not just my physical uh, you know, presence, but also what I wanted to do in my life. Um, because 
being unhoused as I was, um, you know, living with family and friends for seven years, uh, you know, you that trauma is hard to unravel. Uh, but with the help of community and people who who believe in you um, and and trust you to to do right, um, it infuses you with with um, trust and uh, uh, you know the ability to do more than you think you can. And I'm always just pushing myself to do more. And your story is so impressive to me because you started facing adversity at, at a very young age, um, starting with the loss of your father. Um, how did that kind of affect the trajectory you would then take into your later story? Well, one, um, I watched my father as he helped the community. He would repair bikes for the community members. He would uh, repair furniture. He was always there. I remember when he would um, leave his job, he would bring cookies for the neighborhood kids. And so um, just that whole sense of what he was trying to do in the community helped me to understand later in my life what, what I should do. Um, but also the loss of my father at that time also taught me something about community because the members of our community, even though, again, you know, we were considered impoverished, the, the neighborhood, mm -hmm. but these families uh, worked together and brought us food. Um, I remember envelopes under the door with, with money, uh, you know, to help our family continue and, you know, give us a sense of uh, belonging and, and that, um, you know, we're not lost uh, and hope. And those things I just carried with me. It took a while, though, for me to have to lean back on that. But when I was disabled, when I went through that whole process, I remembered all those things. And um, that's why I give back now, because I, I feel like I, I'm obligated. I, I owe so much. Yeah, yeah. And so one thing that you mentioned earlier, we, we even though some communities are not as affluent as others, there's still a lot of pride within our communities, a ton of pride, you know, where we come from, where our parents come from, what we've done to get to the point that we're at, at that current moment. Did you ask for help at any point in time? Did you see your family ask for help? How was that getting over the hurdle of, of that pride? Or did you welcome the help, um, you know, without any pride? I think that's the thing about getting help when you don't ask for it, is that you don't have to uh, worry about your pride because it's a gift of love. And so what we receive from our community, from our neighbors, from everyone around the sympathy, um, and not just the sympathy, but that, um, that opportunity to believe that uh, we were gonna make it, the hope that was given. Um, yeah, I think being unsolicited, mm -hmm. uh, it takes away that whole equation of you know, our pride. And we accept it because you know, we knew it was a gift of love. And, and as, even as a child, I knew uh, that it was a gift of love because people didn't have to do that. We could have just been left to our own devices, yeah. but we weren't. Um, and yeah, that 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 stayed with me. I want to know, um, you know, that sense of pride, and you talk about leaning on the community. Um, you know, when you volunteer and then you spare your time for volunteers, uh, why does that matter so much to you? Why is that important? Well, for one, I try to lead by example. You know, um, I, I want to show that, uh, you know, there's there's no there's no problem in doing work 
and volunteering. Uh, most people are like, you know, what am I going to get out of it? Uh, am I going to get paid? Those things are always at the top. But for me, it's like, can I be effective? That that's that's my first question. Can I enter into this space and be effective? And if I think I can be effective, and if I think I have gifts or skills or or something to offer, then then I'm going to offer it. Um, I started off, uh, you know, with FII, FII, and I'm together was really instrumental in helping me to see that because uh, I was volunteering in schools um, because my daughter was in elementary school, so I was volunteering in schools. I didn't really understand. Uh, the impact that I could have in the community at large, especially civic engagement, um, until I began um, on their school site council. And then I learned, hey, you know, there's other opportunities for me to, to uh, you know, volunteer and make an impact on my community. And so I started doing that. I started volunteering uh, at the city council to speak on certain issues that led me to other organizations. And uh, then I began advocating for affordable housing. Uh, then that led me to you know, social justice and then environmental justice. And, and then you see the intersectionality between all these different things. And then you're like, wait, there's a plethora of things that I can volunteer for. Let me get involved in as many as I can. Let me you know, spread myself as much as I can. And and give back what I believe we receive, that love from our community. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned um, affordable housing. Um, also part of your story, um, after growing up in Oakland, you moved to uh, Pittsburgh, California. That totally threw me off, by the way, when I read that. I'm like, wait a minute. But <laughs> usually I say that when I, when I introduce Pittsburgh. I usually say Pittsburgh, California, but I'm sorry. No, no, you're totally fine. When I was reading, I was like, oh, there's another pit. I have a whole story about Georgia and Rome, but um, that's for another time. Um, now, you mentioned affordable housing, and, and this, this hits home for me. You moved from Oakland to Pittsburgh because of that very reason, because Oakland was becoming unaffordable. You just, you couldn't live there anymore. And you have a daughter, which I hear you are super proud of. Absolutely. <laughs> How was that transition from leaving Oakland to then going to a city that you could afford with a baby, essentially. Um, you know, the fact that we have to move to find affordable housing is, is a problem within itself. Um, and, and the fact that we can't um, find places to live unless you make a, a, a ridiculous salary, let's, let's just put it that way. Um, when you moved from Oakland in order to find something more affordable for you and your family, what happened then? Yeah, you know, it hurt to have to move, but I needed to find something that was more affordable. And yes, uh, at that time, Contra Costa offered rent that was affordable. But then when I became disabled uh, and, and lost my ability to, you know, employment and lost my apartment and lost my belongings and lost basically everything, then it was like, okay, I'm starting back again. I'm in that same place where I need somewhere to live. And that's, like I said, it took us seven long years to find, you know, rent that was affordable. And when we moved into this affordable complex that we live in now, um, we were the last to apply and we were the first to move in because we were ready. We, we, we were desperate to have housing. But um, I think 
if I could say something about affordable housing, when it is done right, it actually builds community. It is creating communities because when we moved here, we did not know any of our neighbors, but the way that the community is developed, we see our neighbors go into their homes every day. My door faces other doors. And so we, we're, we're obligated to speak to each other and then you get to know each other. Then you find out we have so much in common. And then you find out their aspirations and their goals. You see them reach those goals and it inspires you to do more. They look at me, I look at them. We're building each other up, just emulating each other's success. And it happens all the time in communities. And I think that is a model that affordable housing just, people just don't see that. It builds that kind of model for you to create community. And uh, I'm just so blessed to be here and to know the stories of my neighbors and, and to carry those stories with me, knowing what they're doing and what I'm doing. It's awesome. Sure. I mean, because there's a huge stigma behind um, affordable housing and, and your neighborhoods. It's like, oh, you don't want to live there because, you know, that's where, you know. Or, or we don't want them to live here. There's a lot of, of that. And it prevents us from speaking to each other because we're getting that stigma, even though it's not really real, you know. It's true. And I think it's unfortunate that those communities that say, hey, we want to keep people out to uphold our character of our community are really missing out because um, when you share commonality and, and you have a diverse neighborhood of cultures and beliefs and understandings, you right. get to really know people. And, um, and I think they're missing that. It's weird because what they're trying to do is keep their community. Um, it's the same thing that we're trying to do, keep our community, but we're sharing. And, and that's the difference is they are unwilling to share. Well, we love to see you share because you're doing such a great job doing it. And speaking of sharing and, and giving back to your community and also just enlightening the world about your community, could you share one thing with us that you hope all the listeners out there that are listening to this show uh, will remember most about you and your community? Well, I think my community is is not unlike other communities. There, there are people doing... Um, wonderful and beautiful things. Um, and I think, uh, I think the most important thing is a community is a place that you can heal. You can grow, you yeah. can build, not just your family, um, but you can see, you can make plans for the future that you can actually meet and succeed. Um, when we moved here, it took us you know, a while, I'd say three years to unpack our trauma of being unhoused. But when we did, my daughter started, uh, uh, you know, uh, excelling in school. Um, I began doing other things. And now I look back and I just rewind to today that she's just started college, her college career at the University of Pacific in Stockton. And I think back when, when college was just a dream for us. Yeah. But when we joined up together, um, we were allowed to take those funds and uh, I was able to send her on a trip to visit all the colleges on the East Coast in DC and Virginia. And wow. that made college real to her. Wow. And if we didn't have that, if we didn't have the community of up together, if we didn't have our community to heal, she may not even be there. I, 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 I just say 
she wouldn't be there because it was what showed her, hey, you know, people do care and people do invest in, in people's lives and, and it does make a difference. And, uh, and now I'm waiting for her to make a difference. When she graduates, she's gonna do some great and amazing things and we owe it all to community. And I'm sure she will because she saw you doing it, you know, and then you had an organization around you that could wrap their arms to support you and hold on to you. You know, I think that's the beautiful thing about all of us on this podcast right now is that it all started with a seed. You know, that seed was planted and it gave you some hope that showed you that if you just had a little support, a little help, if you had somebody that could help you move up together, you know, you might be able to be something that you didn't necessarily come from. And it changes a mindset. Absolutely. Because when you when you're said told that you're low income, that word low makes you think you're below, you know, you're subpar. Um, and so um, when when someone says to you that you're worth investing in, that we can trust you, then it changes that mindset of, oh, I can't do anything. I'm trapped in this system. Mm -hmm. I'm trapped in my, in, in my own environment. And then you say, wait, no. I'm not trapped in that system. I'm going to create a new system. I'm going to create a new environment. I'm going to break free from this. I'm going to break the cycle, you know, <laughs> and I'm going to lead my daughter with me yeah. because that's really, like you were saying, that's what matters. That's when I said I was leading by example, I also meant her because Ooh, I wanted you. her to see that yeah. you can give to your community and your community can give back. And I yeah. want her to go get that education bring it back to this community and let's keep building, you know? Yeah. Listen, I'm, I'm inspired and motivated right now. I'm like, let's go do it. <laughs> and it is worth noting. She is the first generation in your family to go to college, right? She yeah. is. And that's, that's so important that, that she would take that rain on her shoulders and say, I got this, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to make us proud. I'm going to mm -hmm. do this. Um, it just makes me realize that all the work, all the experiences, the journey, because it was me living it, but she was on that journey with me. And it was just you and your daughter, correct? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Looking in the background, seeing what I was doing, wow. seeing what community was doing for us. And then she realized, hey, this is a platform. This is a, a launching pad for me to fly high. And so um, I'm just, I'm so excited about not just her going to college, but what she's going to bring to the table. I just, mm -hmm. I can't wait. I just can't wait. I'm so excited about that. <laughs> I love this whole energy, like the pride. Cause words matter, you know, words matter. You know, we, there's so much power in the tongue, you know, cause I feel like he was taking us to church. So I was like, let me meet you halfway. <laughs> but listen, you are absolutely right. Absolutely. Yeah. And now you've been volunteering for how many years now um, you sit on a number of boards. So my question to you is, how many people have you come across since your situation um, that has been in a similar situation to you? And, and have you been able to help them and guide them and, and give them little words of wisdom here and there based off of your experiences? Absolutely. Um, and, you know, and even though I'm on these boards and I'm on these councils, um, I still volunteer in my community. I mean, I still take elderly members of, of my community to the doctor. I still take people to get groceries. I still you know, uh, volunteer and give 
presentations to children in after school programs. I couldn't do the work that I do in those uh, councils and in, in those committees unless I was doing the work that I do here one-on-one. -on -one. So mm -hmm. there are families that I've, I've talked to and said, hey, look, you can do this work who, who have then turned around and joined other organizations in an effort to, to get involved, to um, engage themselves in this community movement. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and so, yes, there are, I, there are, there are just so many, um, and like, you know, a gentleman that I met when we first moved here, he was uh, from Nicaragua and he had his two children and um, he was having all these dreams and inspiration. And I was like, you could do it. Yeah. And, and constantly pumping him up, telling him what I was doing. And now he got his BA degree. He brought his mom from Nicaragua. It's just hey. that stuff, like, <laughs> just i see that happen yeah and then i go okay so it, it is real yeah. um it's not just me believing it and believing it so much that i'm drink, you know that i'm drinking my own kool-aid but um <laughs> believing it and seeing it happen in real life uh in real time and um that just really gives me the inspiration that what i'm doing you know my mom used to say that you never know who's watching you you know yeah, so yeah. you have to carry yourself in a certain way yeah. and um and it's true. You never know who's watching you. You know, I've had members come up to me and say, William, I know you're really involved in the community and I see you doing all these things. So while I'm out here, I try to carry myself in a certain way. And I'm like, wait, hold on. <laughs> it don't have to be that deep. But just the fact that they see that and yep. feel like when they see me, they have to be a certain way, you know, carry themselves. It just I mean, that's love. That's still love. They respect you. They respect you. Yeah. You know, I would like to just say that the, it's love because I'm not trying to, you know, that word respect and everything. I, I just would like to believe that they love me for what I'm doing and they love me because I'm giving love back and um, and it inspires them to do the same thing. And with that, how would you tell people, because there's a lot of volunteer opportunities out there, but they're not very... Um, you know, it's not like you see the commercials for them on TV, you know, it's like, oh, call this number or scan this QR code or anything like that. How do you find opportunities to volunteer? Like, where can people go in your community to sign up for a food drive, to sign up to take elderly people to their doctor's appointments and so on? How do people find those resources and, and how can you point them in that direction? If I was to start, I'd say go to your faith-based organization because faith-based organizations are members of the community. They really are. They 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 bring a lot to the table as far as education, community involvement, uh, advocacy, um, and so start there. But then also you could just you know uh, go and look at a city council meeting. Um, you can go to the food bank. You can go to the Salvation Army. Believe it or not, I volunteered at Salvation Army for some time, just distributing food, um, passing out pamphlets. Anything you can do is something, uh, and it all adds, you know, to to this to this movement of what we have to do as a community to build up our community. So I, I'd say anything, but there are a lot of uh, faith-based organizations, but also community-based organizations. Um, the you know the ones that I um, volunteer with is East Bay Housing Organizations, uh, Monument Impact. There's just so many that you could just seek out 
and everyone's doing something. So don't don't feel like you you have to be you know selective as to what you want to do. Just try it all, and you'll find your niche. Yeah, for non non church going folk, it's as easy as just going and asking. I mean, you you don't have to um be belong to a congregation or a church to help you can literally you know go and just ask them and they'll be glad to accept any help they can get from you know whoever whether you're a member or not right true that's true in fact like i said i started at the school Mm -hmm. that's a great place to start you know Mm -hmm. i started volunteering in my daughter's school in the classroom just hanging up pictures and then i learned about the struggles (laughs) of teachers and then I yeah. learned, wait, I need to get involved in this and let's let's see where the money is. And and so you could just you could just start at the school, you know, volunteer to walk children home. There's there's just so many opportunities to do something. Um, I just encourage you to to just get involved. Yeah. Well, we appreciate your encouragement uh, because there's definitely power in community. Um, Now, we've talked a lot today about what you and others in your community are doing to help each other. Now it's your turn to tell the people who work in the government or nonprofit organizations what you think they should either stop doing or start doing for you and your community. And uh, we have this this really, really cool segment called Free Game. So if you could give our listeners some free game. Stop believing the narratives. Most of them are untrue. The narratives around low-income people, affordable housing, um, community engagement, because there's this thing that, oh, you get involved in community engagement, it takes so many hours. That's not true. You can do a little bit here and a little bit there. Um, and what they you know, can do is open up those purses. You, know, there, there's, you can fund different opportunities. You can fund children going to the museum. You can fund uh, um, you know, people who help other people uh, instead of Uber and these other organizations, people can just give others rides. You can fund small things, but but you have to like, you know, open up that purse and and just let people do what they know best. Because I I honestly believe that people know what their community needs. They know. They just need help in making it happen. They just need help, and usually that help is financial. Unfortunately, you know, um, and if if we just fund people and their initiatives and the things that they're trying to do in their communities. I think we'll find that um, we'll build more opportunities for others to be involved and and we'll build more community. William, we wanted to thank you again for joining us. I know you have a little bit of a time crunch, so we don't want to impede on that. But I do have one question, one last question for you. How did you feel about losing the Raiders to Vegas? <laughs> you know, what, what, what really hurts is that growing up in Oakland, we have so much pride. And that pride was displayed through our sports uh, teams. Um, we, you know, yeah. the Warriors were champions. The Raiders were champions. The A's were champions. Um, but then to see yeah. each one of these teams just leave our community, it's heartbreaking. I mean, you know, it's like gentrification. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, I love the way my community looks now, but man, I sure wish they had done it when we were here. Uh, so uh, it's, yeah. that, it's that same thing. It's like, I would have loved for them to build that big uh, a stadium right there in Oakland, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and bring us the revenue since we actually helped build it. Yeah. 
and I think it, so that that hurts. I mean, but it's hard to get that rate of blood out of your system, though. Yeah, I bet it is. <laughs> Listen, I can relate. I'm a Jacksonville Jaguar fan, and they've talked about taking our team a few times, and I'm like, uh-uh, don't do it. We <laughs> That's right. Don't so do I it. I feel your pain. I do. do it. <laughs> well, it has been an absolute pleasure having you here with us today. Um, absolutely powerful conversation. Uh, is there any last words you'd love to leave our listeners with? I just hope that something that I said today resonates with someone and prompts them to do something, um, you know, in your community, um, even if it's just lift your voice. Uh, sometimes that that's most important is to lift your voice because someone to hear you speak, you know, encourage them to speak. And like you were saying, you know, the truth to power is in, in the spoken word. And so um, I just I just hope someone heard something today that would lead them to do something thank you so much william thank you so much we appreciate you for being with us today thank you so much for having me i appreciate it moving up together was created by the national nonprofit up together and produced by creative differences if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast.